0: If you have your Bibles and will, please turn with me to the Old Testament book of Psalms. Psalm 1. The very first Psalm. Psalm 1. Where we read, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law the torah the instruction of the lord and on his law they meditate day and night they are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither and all that they do they prosper the wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners And the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy Word and for this opportunity to study it together. And now, as I stand before these your people, this your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. I'll confess to you that it took me some time to fall in love with the psalm. For the longest time, it was not my favorite book of the Bible. I I remember when I was a kid in school, the Gideons used to come to the schools and pass out the little New Testaments. And it always was the New Testament And the Psalms. And I would wonder, why did they include the Psalms? Of all the other books of the Bible, why the Psalms? I think maybe part of the reason I struggled with the Psalms is growing up, we tended to read the King James Version of the Bible, which is a beautiful translation But it is the old king's English. It's a little harder to get the grasp of it or get the cadence of it or get caught up in the nuances of the language. And so I think maybe I was fighting the language as much as fighting the actual scripture itself. But the Psalms were a critical part of the Hebrew life. It was a critical part of the life of the Jews. It was a critical part of Jesus' life as he was growing up. These were the prayers that he would pray every morning in morning prayers with his family. These were the prayers they would pray in the evening at evening prayer time. These were the songs that they would sing together as they would join together in the temple to worship or gather in the synagogue. The Psalms were the songs of the Hebrew people. They were the songs of the faith. And the disciples were the same way. They grew up with these psalms. They grew up knowing them well. This is what they would sing. This is what they would pray. So it's interesting then, when Jesus has been raised from the dead, after the resurrection, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that he spent 40 days with the disciples, appearing to many, as Paul will tell us, but 40 days with the disciples, teaching them and opening up the scriptures to them. Jesus knew the week after he ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon the church at Pentecost. that gift of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, were the disciples ready to be the church were they ready to carry on the mission of Jesus Christ and to understand the role of the cross and the resurrection and all that God was doing in and through Jesus Christ? Were they ready to carry that message on? So Luke tells us in Luke 24, verses 44 and 45, that Jesus, during these 40 days, spent time teaching them the law of Moses, the Torah. Torah means instruction, it's the law of God. So he taught them the Torah, the prophets, the Nevi'im. And we looked at the Nevi'im last Sunday. He spent time teaching them what did the prophets have to say? How is this part of God's plan? Those who speak on behalf of God, what was God saying when he said, hear the word of the Lord? And he also taught them the Psalms, the Psalms. Now, they grew up understanding or hearing the Psalms. They knew the Psalms. They probably could quote the Psalms. But Luke tells us in Luke 24, 45, that he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. You see, there's a difference in being able to quote Scripture and understand Scripture. To know Scripture and to embody Scripture. Scripture. So Jesus spends some incredible time explaining to them, teaching them these prayers, these songs that they have grown up hearing, that that they've heard, they've prayed, they've sung all their lives. But do they know what it means? And it's interesting, the Psalms were not only important for the Hebrew people, it became vitally important for the church The early Christians and the church today must be able to grab hold of the Psalms. But listen to some of the early church fathers and those throughout our church history and some of the things that they've shared. For example, Athanasius, who lived in the 300s. Athanasius taught that most scriptures speak to us, but the Psalms speak for us. He also said... It is in my view that in the words of this book, the whole human life, its basic spiritual conduct, as well as occasional movements and thoughts, is comprehended and contained. He says nothing to be found in human life is omitted. I mean, in the Psalms, we can find a psalm, a prayer, a song, an outcry, a lament, a praise, something that applies to whatever we are going through in our lives today. Martin Luther then said that the Psalms might well be called a little Bible. He said, in it is comprehended most beautifully and briefly Everything that is in the entire Bible. He called it the handbook of the Bible that in the Psalms we can capture the faith. starts making sense why the New Testament that is handed out to so many has the New Testament and the Psalms. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian who lived during the time of Hitler and was actually executed by Hitler because of his faith and standing up for those who were being persecuted, Bonhoeffer said, The Psalter, the Psalms, occupies a unique place in the Holy Scriptures. It is God's Word, and with few exceptions, the prayers of the people as well. It's both God's Word and the prayers of the people. St. Augustine, who lived from 354 to 430, he said that if the Psalms pray, you pray. If the Psalm laments, you lament. If the Psalm exalts, you rejoice. If it hopes, you hope. If it fears, you fear. Everything written here is a mirror for us. And finally, Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen is a great spiritual mentor for so many. He wrote the best-selling book, The Wounded Healer. Henry Nouwen in 1974, he took a seven-month retreat and went to a monastery. And at the monastery, the practice was to read through all 150 psalms each week. So he would constantly study the Psalms. And then one day in his diary, he wrote these words. Slowly, these words enter into the center of my heart. They are more than ideas, images, comparisons. They become a real presence. After a day with much work or many tensions, you feel that you can go in safety... And safely, and realize how good it is to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Many times I have thought if I'm ever sent to prison, if I am ever subjected to hunger, pain, torture, or humiliation, I hope and pray that they let me keep the Psalms. The Psalms will keep my spirit alive. The Psalms will allow me to comfort others. The Psalms will prove the most powerful, yes, the most revolutionary weapon against the oppressor and torturer. How happy are those who no longer need books, but carry the Psalms in their heart wherever they are and wherever they go. Maybe I should start learning the Psalms by heart. So that nobody can take them away from me. Wow, the power of the Psalms is such an incredible gift from God that God has given to us. John Wesley said it's a rich treasury of devotion. It is the church's sung theology. So the Psalms, most people did not have, in biblical times, the, the scriptures. Why? Well? There weren't printing presses back then, and and if you could afford the paper of a scroll, then you had to to pay a scribe or someone who would then hand-copy Scripture from one to the other. How do we best remember things? Well, if there's songs, that helps us to remember. If something has a cadence, it helps us to remember. For example... It's very difficult for me if someone says, can you go through the ABCs, to go through the ABCs without hearing that little tune in my head of the ABCDEFG and on. Because we kind of know once we get a rhythm, a cadence, a melody... We can remember. So these were the songs of the faith. The theology of the people was kept in the Psalms so that they would know what they believed. The Apostles' Creed, for example, when we recite the Apostles' Creed, there tends to be a cadence. Almost no matter which church you go to, you get in the cadence of the Creed. Same with the cadence of the Lord's Prayer and the Psalms. Gave some sense of cadence. It gave a sense of song. It was the songs and the hymnals that allowed people to remember their theology and to pray their theology. Psalms are broken down into five books. The 150 Psalms broken down into five different sections. And the reason for that is there are five books of the Torah. And it's a reminder that the Psalms are helping us remember this covenant with God and this instruction from God. And so the Psalms are broken into five books like the Torah is five books. And the Psalms, well, they point to Jesus as well. There's a lot of times we hear things in the scripture in the New Testament that we may not realize comes from the Psalms. Remember Jesus' baptism. Remember After Jesus was baptized and the heavens opened, the Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove. Do you remember what God said? This is my son, the beloved, the begotten. Listen to him. Well, listen to Psalm 2, verse 7. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. You can guarantee when God spoke that and the people experienced this at Jesus' baptism, they knew the song. They knew the psalm. This is from Scripture. This is the word of God. Remember Jesus on the cross? As Jesus was dying on the cross, remember when he looks up to God in agony and he goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen to Psalm 22 Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus actually reaches back to the Psalms, the scripture, the prayers, the songs of the faith. Not only that, listen to these words in Psalm 31, verse 5. And remember Jesus on the cross, when you hear this, Psalm 31, verse 5, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. This was Scripture. On the cross, Jesus prayed Scripture. Dietrich Bonhoeffer made note of this. He said the Psalms are filled, filled the life of early Christianity. But more importantly, he says, than all of this, is that Jesus died on the cross with the words of the Psalms on his lips. The Psalms, they get us in touch with God. They give us words of how we can pray to God. They give us words of praise that we can sing to God. They help us express ourselves when we need it. I remember many years ago, I was taking a building team to Alaska. There we were in the beautiful... State of Alaska, and we were looking around at, at the beautiful things. We would work all day long, starting early in the morning, work throughout the day. But then because it stayed light so late into the evening, after we would have dinner, get all cleaned up, we would then go see some of the beautiful sights of God's creation. I'll never forget we were there looking at the beginning of a glacier, high mountains, Straight up mountains all around us, the beautiful water, the glacier. And as we're standing there looking, I hear behind me a member on the building team who reaches back to Psalm 8 and says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, What are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you take care of them, yet you have made them little lower than God and have crowned them with glory and honor. I can't read that psalm anymore without going back to that beautiful scene because we were speechless and yet the psalms found a way to speak for us. And David knew what it was like. Sometimes God seemed so far away. It was David then who wrote Psalm 22, verse 1 My God, my God, why have you forsaken me when I need you? You don't seem to be anywhere around. But it was also David then who later writes the 23rd Psalm saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need, I shall not want. The Psalms guide us. It's powerful scripture that is the words for the church to grab hold on of our faith. Like knowing we do not have to be afraid. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when we need help, when we feel like I'm just on my own, I need strength. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the intimacy with God had a beautiful experience just the other day. I was having a conversation with a young couple about doing the baptism of their infant daughter, beautiful little girl, and such an exciting time. I also had the privilege of doing this couple's wedding. So there was a bond and a relationship that was there. And as I was explaining the beauty of the sacrament of holy baptism, I was sharing with them how God is intimately involved in our lives from the beginning From Psalm 139, I shared, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And as I was describing that, it was God who knits us together in our mother's womb from Psalm 139. I looked up. And the mother had tears flowing down her face because the Psalms have a way of touching our hearts and allowing our hearts then to be touched by the very heart of God and worship. The Psalms teach us to worship. The very last Psalm, Psalm 150 says, Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. I I think the Psalms are a very neglected book. Actually, I was reading a book by the great biblical scholar N.T. Wright on the case for the Psalms. And in it, he shares, it's, it's kind of sad that we may have lost one of the most sacred books that have molded and shaped Jesus and the disciples as they were growing up. The Hebrew people, now the beginning of the church, the Christian church, who we are today. It's the book that ties us all together in so many ways. These Psalms were important to Jesus. So in the 40 days, he had 40 days. It was a six-week crash course that Jesus had to make sure the church was ready. He spent time teaching them the Torah, the instructions, the prophets, hear the word of the Lord, and the Psalms. It would seem that if it was important to Jesus, it would be important to us. And it would seem that if it was important enough to Jesus to make sure the disciples got it, then Jesus would want the church today to get it. Bonhoeffer, in his great book, Life Together, said The more deeply we grow into the Psalms, and the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich. Will our prayers become? And N.T. Wright, he challenges us, even though he's a biblical scholar. He said, we're not to go to them just to study them, although that is really important. But to live and to pray them. Today, we have the privilege of coming to the table of our Lord A very real part of coming to the table is a time of confession. So as we come to the table, I would imagine that Jesus and the disciples often prayed together David's prayer of confession, Psalm 51.